0: You may not know my guests by name, but I'm sure you've heard of the company they founded. Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey are the founders of the massively popular wine label Barefoot Wine. Though their story is far more than just a wine label, it represents the success of a small startup that began in a laundry room and wound up in the boardroom of the world's largest wine company. Starting with no money and no knowledge of their industry, Michael and Bonnie bootstrapped a novel brand and disrupted their industry. They eventually sold barefoot to E&J Gallo, and today they are sharing their success story through two best-selling books and an internet series geared at entrepreneurs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here, Michael Hulan and Bonnie Harvey.
1: He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazelet.
0: I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success.
1: This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts.
0: Hey, first question. This is a new book that kind of complements the last book right I mean which was a runaway bestseller which I mean unbelievable Barefoot Wine Barefoot Spirit right that was the name of the first one right?
2: Yeah the Barefoot Spirit How Hardship Hustle and Heart Built America's number one wine brand
0: New it, York
2: Times bestseller in business.
0: Yeah it, it, and a great book I mean we had you on the bestseller show I've read this book I actually have about I think 10 copies here in my office that I, I give to especially entrepreneurs Because I think they should read this because, I mean, you hustled it when you guys were starting the Barefoot brand. I mean, you really pounded the pavement selling store by store. And, you know, I always tell people, even my own books, it's called hard work because it's hard. That's absolutely
3: right. That's why we have the hardship first. (laughs) in in the subtitle
0: (laughs) so let's talk about the new one because i love this one the entrepreneurial culture 23 ways to engage and empower your people why did you settle on 23 why not 24
2: well, 23 has a lot more credibility to it. You know, when somebody says 24, you know, they go, oh, well, I can divide it by two. So 23 is, is a, it's a prime number, and we think this is a prime cause. You know, so many corporations are out there, and uh, they want to know. They say, how do I make my people you know, more engaged? How do I empower my people? And then you turn around and you look at their structure and you look at their policies and procedures, and that's why yeah. they're held down. They're just like they're just like a horse in a corral. Well, you know,
0: so we, yeah. let me jump in because I, you you talked about structures because you've got something in the book called the two division company, and you talk about this pyramid versus the two division company structure. Talk to me about that.
3: Well, you know, pyramids always start with the president on the top, and then you've got, you know, the CEO, the vice president, you've got all the managers and the different divisions, and they're they're all kind of broken down underneath the president, and that's kind of how the whole company feels, their attitude about doing business, and they have to go through a lot of different levels in order to get their ideas. Uh, up to the top, the top of the pyramid. But we say pyramids are for dead pharaohs. Hey, let's get back to
0: business. (laughs) That's true. That's true.
3: So so if you've got a company, what do you need besides sales and sales support? Mm. Those are the two divisions. If you're going to be successful, that's what you've got. You've got a two-division company. Sales are on top. They share the information that they get out in the field. They are talking to the consumers, the distributors, the customers. They're talking to the retailers. They're talking to everybody that you do business with on a daily basis. They use that information by sharing it with the sales support division. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so marketing gets that information, and production gets that information. And even your CFO, if he's the one that sets the prices on the products. He gets that information. So by sharing that information, you're really keeping your product relevant to your end users.
0: Well, you know, I think that's, that is absolutely spot on in terms of keeping sales at the forefront, especially, I think that's more important when you're a new business as a startup. And the reason I say that is that sales can overcome a lot of sins in the company. That if I've got sales coming in, I can make up a lot of different things based on sales. But if I don't have sales coming in, it can be a real problem.
2: No, absolutely. And you know, another part of, of the the sales division we like to put in is is the customer service department. Now, yeah. a lot of companies they call it you know they call it customer service, mm-hmm. or but basically they're calling it complaint resolution. That's how they view the eight hundred number people. And we spoke recently at SOCAP, which is the Society for Customer Affairs Professionals, Consumer Affairs Professionals. And, and these are the people who are the 800 number people for the Fortune 500s. And here they all meet together, and they say, well, how are we going to get the word that we get in over the phone to the production people, to the marketing people, to the design people, to the R&D people, and to the administrators? And so they were afraid that they would be stepping on toes if they ask for a formal line of communication to get that information that keeps their products and services relevant. And these are big companies now. So like you say, yes, the sales department is king in a startup, but when you get into a big corporate structure, it's really the uh, customer service department. We like to rename it. We call it Customer Intel
0: customer in terms of gathering the detail because because in that department i mean they're giving you insights on things you should be doing differently which could become product enhancements or new ways of serving people or, or even new audiences altogether.
3: absolutely and they're telling you what they think about your product if it's good mm. or if it's bad we actually got a lot of excellent calls um, loving our product on our 800 number we were the first winery to put an 800 number on our bottle we actually put it on the cork to start with,
0: did you and, did you really?
3: Yeah, yeah, we were the very first. Huh. And um, the information we got back, the biggest complaint we had was they couldn't find our product in the stores. Well, if you've got a complaint like that, you take it right to your distributor. You take it right to your retailer, and you say, "Hey, I've got customers out there that want my product, and you got to get it out there where they can pick it up." That was our biggest problem is not having our product out there for the customers to pick up because once they had it, they picked it up.
0: Now, you guys were a husband-wife team, which is, you know, a lot of businesses are like that. How did you guys de- decide who did what in the business?
2: Oh, it was easy. Uh, you know, Bonnie was the bus, okay? And I just <laughs> said, number yeah. one, and, then, and I said, yes, ma'am. Yeah, you know, well, <laughs> you know, what really happened, Jeff, is that, uh, and, you know, we say kids don't try this at home, right? Uh, the, the idea of being a romantic couple and going into business together. Don't try this at home. Yeah, it's, it's real tough. tough. It's tough. You, you, yeah. you have to have, you have to be blessed with different skill sets. Now, Bonnie has, you know, the detailed mind, you know, she's into minutia, she can handle the lawyer, she can handle the IRS, she can handle, you know, the, the real estate contracts, all this kind of stuff, which I call minutia. Right, and I kind of like the the sword, you know, swashbuckler. Right, I I can do the planning, I can do the sales, I can do the marketing programs, things like that. So basically, her job is to keep my shoes tight, so I don't fall down, swashbuckling my sword. Yeah. Right. My job is to keep her in in enough cash flow so she can pay the bills and maintain the credit. But it's tough. It's tough. You have to have separate offices. You can't talk about business in bed.
3: Okay. Yep.
2: Yeah. At the beginning of the year you've got to make a non refundable purchase for a ticket to a romantic getaway and then build your business around that as the year goes on and then take that trip and go down to, you know, Hawaii, Barbados, someplace that you know that you wanna to go to and have a romantic getaway. No phones, you know, just just the two of you. But there's there's a lot more to it than that. In fact we spoke at a very interesting school. You know the 10-gallon hat that you wear called the Stetson? Oh, yeah, um,
0: absolutely. I don't wear one of those. I wear a different one, but I do know that hat, yeah.
2: Well, the 10-gallon hat, you know, the, the hat the one the West. So the guy who did it, wife, you know, it was a husband and wife team, she built a college called Stetson University, uh, and it's, it's down there in northern Florida. And we went and spoke, and it focuses on family businesses and the problems with family businesses. So they brought us up and they asked us that question, you know, how come you guys aren't
0: divorced yet, you know? Hey, let me take a quick break. I do want to come back to this because you said something I thought was, well, you say a lot of things that are real important because I've I've got to know you over the years and I love listening to the both of you and uh, just hanging out with you. But I, I want to talk about Duncan because I want to have a little fun with Duncan trivia for today. There, of course, this show is brought to you by Duncan. Did you know that back in the late 70s and 80s, Duncan used to sell easter egg donuts i had no clue they, they were chocolate covered sprinkled egg shaped donuts that came with their very it came in their own egg carton I, I, that's crazy you could get a whole dozen for a dollar 99 in 2016 they no longer sell the easter egg donut but they're still keeping america running all these years later america runs on Dunkin', and so does all business with jeffrey hazlett i love coffee you guys drink coffee i know you're wine guys but are you coffee people too
2: Well, you know, for us, we look at coffee as as some kind of jet fuel. You know, it's like if if you want to get a lot done that day, you definitely have a cup of coffee. But uh, Bonnie could speak more about it.
3: Yeah, I've been a coffee achiever on a number
1: of days. We coffee up and then we wind down.
2: I love it. I love it.
1: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts.
0: We're talking to the owners, former owners of Barefoot Wine, and of course they've gone on to big fame and fortune, leading one of the biggest businesses of all time, one of the greatest startups, and um, and I got to tell you, cashed out and did a great job with it. Now they're taking their knowledge and they're sharing with us in their newest book, and I want to talk. You said something I thought was really insightful for husband-wife teams, and that is you got to separate it when you get home.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh,
0: you said in the bed, Michael, but I'm going to just uh, pick the whole home thing because you know. Well, yeah, you, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. You're absolutely right, Jeff. Uh, you know, if 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 you want to have a fight, start talking business anywhere in the house.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, who's the toughest between the two of you? By the way.
2: Bonnie
0: is for yeah. sure. Yeah, so she's a, you know, like you would probably say, "Oh, I'll give the guy a discount." And Bonnie says, "No way, no way."
3: I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how it happens, Jeff. Yeah.
0: yeah. But, but you know, that's a good isn't it? Is it's kind of good for that to have I mean, just like people in the business, you got different roles. It's good for companies or couples to have the roles too like that, I think. Well,
2: one of the things that we have we have a couple of advantages, but one of them is that uh, when when I'm negotiating, I can always say, you know, I have to go to a higher authority. You know, I'm going to take your yep. offer and I'm going to run it by the boss and see yep. what she's done. Yeah. And uh, you know, then you know, I can just say, okay, so here's the deal. What do you think? We come back with a counter proposal. But if it's just me, if I try to be the boss, they've got me, boy. You know.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I always say, Michael, I always say, I always put one person, I used to say this in corporate business when I was in big corporations doing stuff, always put one person between you and harm's way, and that's kind of what you're doing here. You're you're saying, look, it's gonna. I'm going to maneuver myself strategically to always have another way to come back and ask for more or to change it or to do it differently if I need to, and I think that's a smart, smart way of doing it. Well, let me ask you about... Um, I was just sitting down with some people, and we were talking about uh, sales commissions, incentives, and finding ways to make you know more happen with my own C-suite network, or the business that we run. Well, what do you think about staff uh, incentives?
3: I think they're essential. I think that they really help the staff to understand this is where the money comes from. It comes from volume in sales. It comes from growth, and it comes from profitability. Those are the three things. Volume, growth, profitability. And if you can base a commission or a bonus to everyone on your staff based on those three uh, attributes, then you're really going to have a staff that's more engaged. They are focusing on where the money comes from. They're really interested in customer service. And they're going to work their tails off and be very creative and innovative in every way that they can within their own expertise. To help the company succeed in those three areas
0: well you talk about that Bonnie in the book um, you, you were you which is the new book by the way I want to make sure we mention it because I don't want people to forget the entrepreneurial culture 23 ways to engage and empower your people you talk about the money map that, that that's kind of where you're, where you're teaching employees how to how the money kind of goes from one place to the other so it you they are they really understand where it's coming from so if they understand where it's coming from they'll pay more attention you know
3: it's really funny how so many employees don't even think about where the money comes from they think the money comes from the owner of the company or just the company but the way that money comes in is actually by making sales in one form or another And we really believe in overkill of orientation for any new employee and part of that is making sure that they understand that the company doesn't have a, a big pile of money out in the back that they just shovel into the employer employees trunk once or twice a month and um, that's where the money comes from no it really comes from sales and by understanding that right away they can figure out how they can improve growth volume and profitability
0: Did, did you, Michael did you guys ever share with the teams also, the margins that you make on products. So they understood the difference between because employees will sometimes say, oh, we're making a killing from that when we're really not, you know, or they just think we're making so much more than what we're making. So I always used to teach them a lot about the margins and the, what we did really make. So they really understood. And then the fact that we had to make that so that I could put it back in the business so we could continue to grow. Did you spend use? What, what do you tell an entrepreneur in your book about
2: that? Well, what we tell them is to, first of all, we call it the difference between uh, need to know and know the need. Now, the old-fashioned oh, corporate idea is they don't need to know.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's right. the
2: old-fashioned idea. By the way, that was still popular last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and and know the need is is different. Now, the way that you get the message to the employees about margins and, and you have to do this in pictures. Okay, you're not going to do this in in text uh, or anything. You're not going to be able to tell them about it. You give you give them an in uh, an information guide. It used to be called an infograph last yeah, year. Yeah. So we're giving them a guide now. Okay. So the guide is a picture of your product, whatever it is. Right. Whether it's memberships or bottles of wine or or hours of service or whatever it is, and then you break it up just like a pie. And you educate them about the various different pieces of overhead that you have, and outsource services, and everything else, until you see, you know, the little bit of, you know, coinage dropping out of the bottom of this box that goes into your company to pay your bills and all that, and then the amount that goes into the big, into the bag that everybody takes their, their uh, payroll uh, benefits uh, and bonuses out of. And I just want to say one of the ways that we suggested, to you mentioned this earlier and I wanted to come back to it, Jeff, and that is how do you actually pay them? Mm-hmm. And so here's, here's the deal. We like to match the company's 401k matching funds, either 50%, 100% or 150% of employee donation based upon sales growth and profitability. Now the reason we like that was because it's a quarterly period. If you try to give people a bonus on the year, they forget about it, or they have a lousy first quarter and they don't do anything the rest of the year. Yeah, they don't so think they have they'll a great ever get first half. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah they and don't they think they can, can
0: ever earn it back. So why you know, I give up? Yeah. So
2: here's a nice short period that people can remember, and you're going to find that your bookkeepers like it too because they've got to finish the quarter for tax purposes and other purposes. So what we did is we said, all right, we're going to give, we're going to give you the, we're going to tell you the need. The need is that we need to make this much money this quarter. Here is our goal. Here's what we made. Here's what the company can contribute. So boom, it shows up as their 401k contribution. Now they're looking at everybody on staff and saying, hey, you're a team member. You affect my 401k contribution. I have to get this information to you right away. I have to make this a top priority. And all of a sudden they've learned this new word called urgency.
0: Yeah. Let me let me take a – you spent. You mentioned coinage, and I want to take another quick break with Liberty Tax because I love Liberty Tax. It's great to have them on board, all business. Uh, Liberty is the fastest-growing retail tax preparation firm, 4000 Offices across North North America. They make a great seasonal franchise opportunity as well. So if you're looking to get into the business or add a service as part of your business, or you just want some good tax prep services, look to Liberty. So let me let me <coughs> excuse me. Ask another question um, with regards to handling. You 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 wrote in your book on, in the section called How to Ignite Sales, viewing every person who handles your product or service as a customer. So not just your customer customer, but the internal customer. Talk about that for a second.
3: Oh yeah, in our business, we had to make seven sales. That means that we had to to convince seven different groups of people that touched our product, what we were doing benefited not only them, but benefited you know, everyone else that we were doing business with. We had to have those seven groups on our side. Um, it started off with your own staff. own staff isn't behind you you don't have a chance of of growing and and being successful and it went on to the ownership of the distributor everyone had a different reason for buying each group has a different goal and the way that you can um, get these other groups these seven sales made properly is by understanding what their goal is and helping them achieve it and that is what we did For instance, the ownership of the distributors wanted a product that would uh, fill in a gap in their book of what they were offering the retailers. And they also wanted something that was a fast mover. Um, The sales manager in that distributorship, he or she wanted a product that was going to quote-unquote make the numbers. They had a certain goal, a certain number of volume, and they wanted to make their numbers So if our product was moving quickly and we could show them how they could achieve their goal with our product, then we had them on our side. And it goes on and on to their salesman, the retailer. And here's one that a lot of companies forget, the retailer's clerk. Okay? How many times does your customer go in to the store and say, well, what do you think I should buy? This is what I'm looking for. Or in our case, I'm having chicken for dinner. What kind of wine should I buy? Well, if that clerk has been given a T-shirt or a cap or out to lunch, made to feel important because our rep went in and talked to that clerk, then they're going to recommend our product. And more importantly, they're going to keep it on the shelf. One of our biggest problems was being a fast seller. We would be such a fast seller that there'd be an empty space on our shelf. Well, that really does hurt sales, doesn't it? When you're well, an empty.
0: It's space. it's good, it's good and bad, right? It's good, it's great because you're moving products, bad because people aren't seeing it. And a lot of times that's, that's they're looking for we, Yeah, they're looking for your, you know, they're looking for the bare feet, you know.
3: Yeah, well, you you better you better make that sale to the clerk then because that's the person that's going to replace your product on the shelf.
0: Yeah, Well, you, you, you're you getting to something that's also a piece in the book, which I really like this part of it. And uh, it's high touch beats high tech. FaceTime beats Facebook. Because what you're talking about is, you know, everybody else is trying to reach everybody through social media. They're trying to reach them through email. They're trying to reach them through texting, which is without question effective. But you're saying this is better. Now, why are you saying this is better?
2: Well, for one thing. Uh, it goes both ways. It's better for the salesperson and it's better for the buyer. The salesperson uh, is looking at the person's face in real time and because the salesperson is physically there, the salesperson is saying to the buyer, I am giving you my undivided attention. I am not texting. I am not checking email. I am not posting on Instagram. I am talking to you directly and live. Now, if you can't do it in a live meeting with the buyer, you should at least do it in Skype or FaceTime or or some other video program because the human face has 20 muscles in it that can make over 600 expressions. And guess what? 300 of those 600 are negative. And if you see a negative expression, you can change your pitch. You can back off. You can restate what it is that you're trying to get across or come back a different day when he's in a better mood or she is. So that's why it's good for the salesperson. Now, as far as the buyer is concerned, the buyer sees that you are giving the buyer undivided attention and sees that you are sincere about giving the buyer what the buyer really wants, which is, can I trust you? Can I look into your eyes? Will you stand behind this product? So if he buys something online, he doesn't know very much about what kind of support he's going to get. But if he's talking to somebody in his office, he can say, now, are you going to be here when things go south?
0: Well, there's a lot of stickiness with that. But in today's digital market, Michael and Bonnie, I mean, people are are reaching out, doing it digitally. They're making the considerations digitally. They're they're really going, and the first thing they do when they're thinking about buying something, someone mentioned this weekend that I should look at this electric grill because I can't on my deck or terrace in New York City. I should I wanted a grill, and I can't put a gas grill on there because it's I'm in New York City, so or a charcoal grill because I'm many floors up, so forth and so on. But they you can do electric grill, and I said, well, which one's the best? They told me, and the, what's the first thing I do? I Google it, go look at it. But in this case, you know, you're saying the sell the salesperson is still relevant. A lot a lot of people would say that they're not as relevant as they used to be.
3: When you're building a relationship, for instance, from a uh, salesperson who's selling a product to a buyer of, let's say, a 600-unit store chain, that person needs to look you right in the face. You need to give them your undivided attention. It's the nicest compliment you can give anyone is your undivided attention. You're saying, you are so important to me with your 600 outlets where I can sell my products that I'm going to come from across the country and I'm going to sit here in your office and have a face-to-face meeting with you. This is how to build a strong professional relationship. Well,
0: I was going to say, listen up, millennials. I mean, you know, you might think it's a personal thing to give somebody your, you know, your your cell phone number to text, but it's really it's that look in the eyes that's going to have more impact, I think, long term. I think
2: that I think that we're going to see within the next two years, not much longer than that, we're going to see a lot more face to face in digital, and uh, that's going to happen. The first person, for instance, you're looking for that grill, right? If you could look at the grill and then you could click someplace and instead of having chat, live chat, you can have that. an actual person. You yeah. can talk to a representative face I, to face.
0: Yeah, I don't what understand. Do? By the way, Michael, you, you just bring up a great point. I mean, I, I was just going to mention in my office, uh, we have offices all over the country. And what we use is we use a video uh, tool that we are on the to- all the time. Instead of making a phone call, instead of like sending an email, we get somebody on video. We have video cameras that are in the offices, so you can see if someone's sitting at the desk in Sioux Falls or in the office in, you know, in New York City. Just like if you were to look up from your cubicle or look up from your desk and look over and see if the person's there. That's what we try to emulate. And then I just I ping them and and uh, we get on the phone, or or and, that's and I a say I say the phone. Way. It's not the phone. It's a video. I, wanted, I wanna I want to see you pay attention to me. You know. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Well, you know the other thing too, Jeff, is you're using technology in a way that is very human. You're building human relationships through technology instead of separating yourself from the person. I mean, I've always thought that, you know, we've lost a couple of generations here who can't strike up a conversation with a stranger because their social networking has ruined their social skills. And so they don't really, they feel very awkward, you know, saying hello to a stranger. It's Whereas,
0: it, uh, well. You, I, I was watching the Today Show. All right, I ran into Olivia Stearns today, out, running outside the office. But I was watching her on the Today Show this morning, and they were talking about how the millennial generation's missing some basic life skills, like tying their shoes and like doing, striking up conversations because they're so used to doing other things digitally or doing it in different ways. I think that's phenomenal.
2: Well, you know, we work with uh, a lot of uh, millennials and. Uh, you know, one of the big challenges that we have is that uh, many of them have kind of like thrown the baby out with the bath. They've said, oh, you know, you old curmudgeons, you know, you don't know how to text, you don't know how to do this or that. So they've given up on other things that the uh, war babies or that the, the boomers had to offer, which is, here's how you made friends with people, you know.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> so well, it, let me ask you, let me ask another question. How do, how do, how fun how, you talk about fun in the book and how it can translate to more funds in the workplace with millennials. What, so what, what's, that, what's that concept?
3: Millennials like to work in groups.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So
3: by allowing them to work in groups, you're giving them fun. And um, if somebody's not having a fun in their job, whatever it is, then, then that job doesn't have their attention. It doesn't have their creative abilities. It doesn't really entice them to stay there. They'll go out and look for something else. So fun is always important, no matter what you're doing. But we said, if you can't make them laugh, don't make them whine.
0: <laughs> I like that. That's, that's pretty that's good.
3: True in, in any yeah. business. Yeah, but you know,
0: uh, yeah, I think I think that yeah. applies to any. I think it applies to the older folks as well as the younger folks in terms of the business. Of
3: course. Yeah. And, and every who doesn't like to have fun yeah. if you've got somebody smiling and laughing which happen, having a big foot on your label happens to give people you know that smile on their face they're already halfway to yes yep. okay yep. It's engaging
0: Hey, we talk. Let me let me take one more break, and then I want to go into delegation because I, I really like your thoughts around that, and I want to ask you some tough questions around it. So I want to talk about my friends at Sanebox. That's S A N E Box. I spell it out so you know, because I confused the name for a little bit myself. So are you swamped by emails? You're spending hours and hours of sorting out what's important and what's not. I was in the same spot until I found this company, and then I called them and said, "Look, you got to let me give this away." to my friends for a couple weeks, let them try it. And every friend that I've ever given this product to, they love this thing. And by the way, it only costs you like 10, 20 bucks a month, depending on which uh, level of service you want. But here's what it does. It basically, I put it into my email box. It trains my emails over a couple days. I drag an email that I don't want to read into black hole. I drag this one over to, uh, to uh, newsletters. I drag this one over to later. I can even tag emails to people that say one day, two day, two hours, three hours, one month for follow-up in case the person doesn't get back to me. Or I want to put it off. And by putting in the BCC, or sometimes I put it right in the CC, like one hour, which means to my team, in one hour, you don't have an answer. I'm coming back at you because it drops it back in my inbox. This is is a unbelievable time saver. It is my secret weapon, which I'm not making so secret by giving it to everybody here. So if you want a couple weeks free, all you got to do is go to www.sanebox.com www.sanebox, forward slash hazlet my name hazlet and you're going to get a couple weeks for free to try it out and um and you sign up i'm telling you i I, I'm, i'm sold on this i i actually bought this for every single person in all the companies that i own so cool product now let me bonnie and and michael i gotta ask you this delegation Okay, because I also know you, you're both very good hands-on people. Because I've known you for a long time. You're, you get, you can tell by the dis- discussions that we're having. Attention to detail is very important to you. So, how do you do the best and yet delegate the rest?
3: It's really tough. First of all, Jeff, particularly if you're Type A, take charge business owners. Which aren't you know- Which
0: entrepreneurs are? I mean, that's you the bet. reason they're doing it. You, you bet. bet.
3: So. Eventually, those type A take charge business owners are going to figure out they can't do everything. And hopefully along the line, they're going to figure out that there's some real professionals out there that actually do have a better grip on how to get the job done than you do, believe it or not, such as accounting and and such as certain um, sales and marketing expertise and artists that kind of thing. Well, of course, there's people that are more highly qualified. At that point, you really have to give up and do some delegation. But you don't just turn it over to them. You actually give them overkill in orientation of exactly what you're looking for, what is the goal and not just the goal of this one project but how does this project fit into the goal of your company so by understanding the big picture they can be better at doing the minute details that are required for you to carry on your business and you really have to inspect what you expect
0: Oh, uh-huh, that's good I love that and I love that
3: keep in touch with them
0: yeah you know, and, and it's, it's just a very simple thing. I mean, don't forget entrepreneurs. This is what's going to happen, and I'm, I'm sure this was the same way for Michael and Bonnie. But we start out, entrepreneurs, we start as a one-man band or one-woman band. We, we do it ourselves. And then later on, we add devout followers. I, I think, Michael, I remember you telling me a story about either Bonnie's mother or your mother got involved with the business. And then so we add up all these friends and family and we, get, we rope them into it. And then we move to the next stage, which is just exactly what you were talking about, Bonnie, which is about adding the skilled professionals, technicians that we really need to run the business. And those are the fr- those are the stages. And you Your business went through the same stages, didn't it?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the toughest part of delegation is when you are trying to delegate uh, a decision-making, say, an administrative uh, or or corporate or marketing uh, decision-making position to someone else. Yeah. Uh, and i I mean this is really tough it's some tough people <laughs> some people will some people you'll you'll delegate to and you will find out that you know you, they peter principled out they just can't take on that responsibility yeah. or they just can't make those kinds of decisions I had a guy uh, who wasn't doing very well he was he was in sales corporate sales and uh, you know he's on the phone he was talking to distributors across the United States he wasn't doing very well so I said come on into my office so I, I I picked up the phone, and I just did his job in front of him and made him watch me do it. And then I would put the phone down, and I'd say, now, did you notice this? Did you notice that? Take note of this. Take Now, you take the next call. And then I would criticize him. And, I mean, there were some shouting matches there. Sure. But the thing is, he became our number one top salesman. I never had to look at him after that.
0: Yeah, that's that's what you got to do, and it's not easy to give it up either. Um, you know, there, there's a I, excuse my language in saying it, but there's a kind of a sphincter moment where your you know, whole body tightens up when you when you turn it over to somebody for the because it's your baby. It's tough.
3: Jeff, let me add something to that. Um, Michael did that, I think, for a period of about a month, and also in addition to that, that real extreme hands-on training, we also changed the way he was paid, okay? Mm -hmm. We reduced his guaranteed salary, and we greatly increased his commission for making a sale. So he had major chain buyers that he was working with and major distributors. So we took a look at where we were at. We took a look at where we wanted to be. We said, when you reach where we want to be, we're gonna put this much money into your bank account. So each distributor and each buyer had a dollar amount based on the volume that that he could potentially make. And that was quite a good incentive for him. He was coin operated, you know what I mean?
0: Oh, absolutely.
3: I just
2: like to add something to what Bonnie said uh and and that is you know we used to have this joke you know what do I have to do do I have to bribe you to pick up the shovel to shovel the gold <laughs> into the trunk of your car you know and then how long do I have to bribe you to pick up the shovel oh look you're picking up the shovel without a bribe okay good yeah that's so, so the thing is You know, some of these incentives are only necessary to get them going until they start to realize that it's making a difference in their overall paycheck and their bonuses and and, uh, in in their benefits. Uh, But, you know, getting their attention. Oh, my goodness. This is a, this is the challenge in life. Here. Well, let
0: yes, me there. tell you, you guys are chock full of stuff. Let me tell you, it's like bottlefuls and cases, if I can use the analogy from your wine business. We're talking to Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey, the founders of the massively popular wine label, Barefoot Wine, which they went on to sell for millions and millions of dollars. They've really done it. They're an American dream. They're the entrepreneurial spirit. And they've written the brand-new book called The Entrepreneurial Culture, 23 Ways, To engage and empower your people, this is a book that you want to pick up. Run right now. Google it. I don't know. Yahoo it. Bing it. Whatever. Or get down to a bookstore and get this book. I've got mine. You better get yours. Bonnie and Michael, thanks for joining me.
3: Excellent. Thank you. And be sure to send your listeners to com forward slash T-E-C for the entrepreneurial culture.
0: (laughs) I love it. All right, you just did. So there we go. Thanks so much for joining me.
2: Thanks a lot, Jeff. Always great.
1: Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts.
0: You know that after every show, at least those that listen a lot, I like to talk about the things I learned, and I always learn things every single show. And the one that I want to highlight, actually I'm going to do two highlights that i really like and that was one separation that if you're a husband and wife team and this goes for fathers and daughters and mothers and sons and so forth family members that work in the business i have to constantly remind myself of this that when you're home you're home and you need to separate the business and not talk about the business when you're off duty because you need to have the off duty we forget that sometimes in the family business And, you know, the more you do that, the better it is. Like work is work and home is home. Um, It's tough to be a dad and be a boss at the same time, right? So you don't need to do that at home as well uh, because it's a different relationship. And especially when I think it's really tough. Uh, for husband-wife teams. And, you know, it can be really rewarding, but it can also be very tough. So, But with hard work comes great success, you know, and great rewards, and you get that. Now, the second thing I want to know is know the need. I thought that was a great concept that they put into the book, and know the need, you know. The fact that uh, it's important for people to know, not, you know, not keep them in the dark and know why we're doing what we're doing and the ways in which we're doing it, and by understanding that, you'll be a better employee, a better contributor by knowing why we need it. So know the need for what we're doing and why it originated. So I, anyway, that's it right there. I thought those were two gems. There were a lot of other gems in there. Um, this has been Jeffrey Hazlett, all business with Jeffrey Hazlett, right here on CBS and Play.it and iTunes. And don't forget, please tell your friends and rate the show because more ratings we get, the better it is. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.